I realized failure isn't as bad as I thought it was. It felt like it was going to crush me, but it actually helped give me resilience for so many other things in my life. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Studio Podcast. This is season two, episode 15. Today, we're gonna hear from motivational speaker, executive coach, and best-selling author, Ryan Leak. I first connected with Ryan when he spoke at Heartland's Diamond Conference, a yearly event where we gather to celebrate our culture, people, and the products and services that we provide. I was struck by Ryan's unique take on how chasing failure can take us way further than chasing success ever could. In today's conversation, Ryan shares stories from his life experience as an executive coach working behind the scenes with the NFL and NBA teams, as well as large corporations and Fortune 500 companies. If you're looking for insight and inspiration on how falling short can become a catalyst for success, today's episode will give you exactly what you need. I'm your host, Chris Allen, and this is the Entrepreneur Studio Podcast, helping you run and grow a better business. All right. Well, Ryan Leak, welcome to the Entrepreneur Studio. Man, it is a it is a privilege to be here. It took a very long flight to get here all the way from Dallas. <laughs> but so honored to be here, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I had the privilege of hearing you at a conference. And the impression that I kept getting was like in the middle of uh, you talking, I think near the beginning, you're like, you know, you're you're doing your thing talking and you have the first story and you're like, okay, lightning strike, that's pretty cool, went viral. And I thought you were gonna wrap it up. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, this is super cool story, you know, great lesson. And then lightning strikes twice and you have this whole other story. And I was like, okay, we got to talk with Ryan. (laughs) Like that's, because I'm like, when is the third lightning strike going to happen? So, you know. I, uh, I, super glad that you're here. Yeah. Glad that you'll sit down and have a conversation with us. And for some odd reason, lightning just continues to, to strike in my world. Yes. Well, and, I'm pretty sure everybody's going to want to know, okay, how does this happen? And can it happen for me? So sure. I think, I think it can. Let's unpack it. Let's I agree. I agree. You know, other motivational speakers, you know, they, um, they talk about chasing their dreams, uh, maybe chasing passions. Um, yeah. You have a different spin of chasing failure. So yeah. tell us why chasing failure has become such an important you know, message and a yeah. part of your life. Well, a long time ago, I realized that you know, there's the proverbial rat race. And there is this very long line of people trying to chase success. I thought, well, why don't I just get in a shorter line? And <laughs> what if we started a new line of people that were chasing failure? And then I realized, Every successful person that you and I look up to, read about, listen to their podcast, or as a guest on somebody's podcast, and they all have one thing in common, they've all failed. Mm. In fact, it is those lessons that help them become who they are today. So we've been taught to steer away from the very thing that made them who they are. And so I thought, what if we could make this a lifestyle? What if we could make this a leadership practice? What if we could make this dare I say, even a habit. And so I went on this journey of going, well, let's just take the question, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I, I'd be in the NBA. So I, you know, I played ball in college and I would go to NBA games and always had that proverbial dream, but I wasn't really doing anything about it. I was doing motivational speaking, but, but I thought, man, if I knew I couldn't fail, well, I'd, I'd be in the NBA. Mm. 
again uh, through a series of events. We talked about lightning striking the mm -hmm. first time. Me and my wife got engaged and married on the same day. Um, I planned a surprise wedding behind her back over the course of two years. We filmed uh, that entire day of us being engaged for 11 hours and got married that night put it on the internet to show some friends. This was before viral was like viral, viral. Yeah. Before you could like pay for something to be yeah, viral. Yeah. Does okay, that make sense? I, like yeah. it, mm -hmm. it was a lot of, Twitter was one year old. Think about that for a That's second. That's amazing. So we just put it on the internet legitimately to show our friends and it had like 10,000 views. And 10,000 views in that day and age was like, dude, I don't know 10,000 people. Like that's absolutely <laughs> insanity, yeah. you know? And then the next day I had 36,000 views. And I was like, oh my gosh, like yeah, that's what's a, happening, that's a lot. you know? And then it kind of tapered off. And then it was in the Daily Mail. We were on the Queen Latifah show. We were on Good Morning America. And then you started to see it cross over a million. I was like, oh my gosh, like where, where are we? Like my phone's just blowing up all the time. And, and then when we go on the Queen Latifah show, my wife surprised me by getting me connected with Kobe Bryant. And Kobe Bryant says, hey, I want to invite you out to Staples Center to come hang out with me and the Lakers. And I thought, oh, crap. I don't have a basketball story now. Like, yeah. it's so old. Like, I got to be trying out for the league, like, right now. <laughs> and so I realized I was going to fail. Like, yeah. I, just, I just knew it. There's levels to this thing. And, and you just got to be very, very aware of that. But then I thought, is there some lessons here? that we can learn from failing. I think sometimes what happens, especially for an entrepreneur, is they have this curse of talking themselves out of being brave. It's like all day long they have ideas coming in and out of their brain that they're filtering through to say, is this a good idea, is this not a good idea? And they're consistently talking themselves out of the ones that are the scariest. Mm. And I thought, I'm not sure that this is that scary. I'm not sure that any of it is that scary. So let's just get in the ring with failure. I'm gonna give it my best shot and I'm gonna let it give me its best shot and let's just see what happens. And so through a series of events, I emailed, I don't know, five or six NBA teams randomly. They're PR people because that's, that's how it works. It's that, that's not how it works, but that's how I was going to make it work. And to the Phoenix Sun said, yeah, we'll, we'll give you a shot. We'll, we'll let a complete stranger try out for our basketball team. And I just thought, you, have you guys lost your minds? But, or have I lost my mind? And, and I failed. So I have this documentary called Chasing Failure. And it was one of the best days of my life. Not because I got to be on an NBA practice court, but it was one of the best days of my life because I realized failure isn't as bad as I thought it was. It felt like it was going to crush me, but it actually helped give me resilience for so many other things in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I was a why me guy until Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like, why not me? Mm -hmm. What, 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 do, what do we have to, to lose? And who's making the rules on what we can and can't do? And so there is so much in our heads, um, especially as entrepreneurs, that you just, you can kind of lose it a little bit. So today I just, do we try stuff every day? And we're just not afraid to. Uh, I've written a couple of books that will never be published because I'm not afraid to. And that's where I think a lot of people get stuck. They're like, you mean you spent six months of your life writing something that may never get published? 
Yeah, but the practice that I got in that six months is, is practice that you don't have. And so, yes, I am willing to fail a lot of things that most people aren't even willing to try. Uh, I have a podcast. Some episodes are fire. Some of them are trash. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have a similar experience. <laughs> it just, but you can't get a fire episode unless you're willing to have one that is, that is trash. So, so for me, it, it just became a mindset and a way of living that it's, hey, we're, we're willing to try new things all the time. Even the keynote you saw may have felt rehearsed or may have felt like I have done it a thousand times, but you have no idea how many new things I tried that morning. Wow. All because me and Vince had a pre-event call and he says, here are the things that are important to this audience. And even yeah. after I was done speaking, he goes, they won't know, but I noticed that you inserted everything that we talked about, which I didn't know how that was gonna go. Yeah. So for me, it is truly a daily practice of going, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna try a new joke here. We're gonna try a new story here. We're going to, to see what works. So I am constantly tinkering mm -hmm. with uh, the content that we create to add value to people's lives. Mm -hmm. Well, I think one of the things that's kind of striking to me is something happened in you that maybe others struggle with that you, you have found a way to overcome. So if you think about one of the reasons, all the thoughts you were talking about, about failing, one of the reasons why I think people, we struggle is our identity is wrapped up in an outcome mm. or multiple outcomes. Mm. If I can string together a series of yeah. really good outcomes, it means I'm successful. And what does it mean <laughs> about me if I fail? And so I think that's one of the things that I, I wanted to hear from you is that what, what sort of at the root of this thing, where did you come to a crossroads of challenging even your, the way that you think about your identity and why failure yes. was like, that might be a doorway. What a phenomenal question, because I think each and every one of us has to have a proper definition of success, which then gives us a definition of failure. And so when you have a definition of success or failure that is in the hands of someone else, mm -hmm. well, then you could be successful one day in a failure the next. It just depends on who you're talking to. I was sitting next to a woman on an airplane the other day, her name was Marsha. And she was asking me what I do for a living and what I talk about. And I told her, I talk about chasing failure. And I said, hey, you should watch this documentary. And she's watching it. I can see her watching it. She's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. She goes, you know what? The other day I was at this park with my kids and I see this guy throwing a football with, I think it was his like nieces and nephews. And so I just walk over there and I just said, hey, uh, what's your name? He said, um, my name is Dak. And she goes, hey, Dak, what do you do? He says, I play football. She goes, for who? He goes, well, the, the Dallas Cowboys. She goes, okay, nice to meet you. And as she's telling me this story. You know who it is. She, I knew who it was as soon as she started the story. And she's like, I guess he plays for the, the, the Dallas, the, is it the Cowboys? Is that, and it's, it's, 
And it's just amazing that you could be the quarterback for America's team and yet someone in America not even know who you are. Mm -hmm. And so in one moment, you're signing autographs and in another, you're at a park. Yeah. Just a dude playing with his family. And so it's amazing in my space who thinks I'm successful Mm -hmm. and who's never heard of me in their life. Mm -hmm. One person wants to take a selfie. The other person, you're in their way to get to where they're going. And so I think we all have to have a healthy definition of of success to say, hey, your success is not on the line with every post, every sale, every client, uh, in my space, every book, every keynote. The funny thing is what I've learned in my business is the most successful people in the world by most people's definition most people I've never heard of. The most successful companies in the world. It's funny, when my friends ask me, hey, what are you doing today? And I tell them, they've never heard of 98% of the companies I speak for. It's like, what are they doing? Oh, no, they're worth like $5 billion, something like that. It's like, like, what? Where did you, it's like, so it's, it, it doesn't sound sexy. I'm like, but trust me, I said, they got it going on. Yeah. Like, but they, you just would never, you just would never know it. It's just, so, I think stepping back to go, what's really important to me? Um, I'll, I'll never forget being at a, a Lakers playoff game with my son. And we're sitting behind the Golden State Warriors uh, bench. And all of a sudden, the owner of the Golden State Warriors comes and sits next to us. I was like, oh my gosh, my son doesn't know who he is. Yeah, I know who he is. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so he's wearing four championship rings around his neck, takes them off, hands them to my son and says, hey, give them to your son and uh, let him take a picture. I said, you don't know my son. He will run off with your stuff, okay? Like, you, <laughs> like you better be nice. Him. Yeah, right? And so we take a picture, and then, you know, oh, celebrities, everybody's coming in, you know, door A, door B. And you would think I would be like, son, this is the definition of success. The seats, the jewelry, the fame, the following, the fortune. But for me, a major component of my definition of success is not the seats that we have, major component of my definition of success is the little boy sitting next to me Mm -hmm. in the seat. And that that little boy 20 years from now would still want to go on a business trip with his dad because I have met so many quote unquote successful people in my day who weren't even on speaking terms with their kids. And success costs them what I actually think is the definition of being successful, which is the people that know you best respect you the most. Mm. It would be a shame if you built up a following or a business with strangers, yet the people that actually know you think you're a fraud. Yeah. And so for me, all of the other stuff is just stuff then. And so money doesn't make my world go round. I like making it, Mm -hmm. but I won't sell my soul for it. And so there are certain opportunities that I just have to say no to in light of my personal definition of success. So what I coach people to do is I say, you don't need to have my definition of success, but you need to have one that's actually yours. Yeah. Because if you don't, you will lose the head game. Yeah. Because you will be wrapped up in somebody thinking you're successful or somebody not thinking you're successful and you're only successful until somebody a little bit more successful than you walks in the room. Mm-hmm. 
my friend told me this story. Uh, he started flying private a couple of years ago, just, and it just feels good to him. You know, it's like I've never flown private. I'm not. I'm not on that level. There are levels to this thing. I'm not there yet. So he's flying private. He lands in Charlotte, and he's like, "I've made it." Like I got it going on, and he said, literally, he stretched out his arms, and the the sun is shining, and he's like, "Man, I'm I'm really doing something right now." And he said, as he has his arms stretched out, all of a sudden, a shadow came. He's like, "Man, is it a cloud?" And he turns around, and it's Michael Jordan's plane. <laughs> and he just turned around, and he was like, "I am no longer sick." It's like that until one is yeah, it's like until you're in the room with somebody, it, it's. It's almost like success is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. And you just can't play that game if you really if you really want to be successful. Yeah. And so I sleep really really well at night with my pace and my place in this world. Of waking up every single day going, you know what? I'm going to make a difference in somebody's life today. Mm-hmm. We're going to create some content, we might write a book, we might deliver a keynote, but we want to be impactful. Um, I may not do as well as I would like to. I'm super hard on myself. But at the end of the day, man, I, I think the people that know me best respect me most and, and I sleep pretty well. Mm-hmm. And you know, the thing that's interesting about that as well is as you create definitions of success or failure, I think holding space for how that might change over time because there are, there are versions of us that that previous definition Absolutely. of success isn't the same anymore. Because I mean, think about it this way: you know, when when you're 17 years old, you're not thinking, "Man, one day my kid is going to respect me, and I'm going to spend time." You know what I mean? Absolutely. You had a, you had a different, probably a different definition of success then, and I, I think holding space for the versions of you to evolve and for that success. So it's maybe it's not hold fast or hold tight. Mm-hmm. Right, but I do think frameworks and and you know there are certain things that you can hold on to, but yeah. for some reason definitions needs need more space. Absolutely, and I think it's something that should be revisited on a, a at least a yearly basis. Of hey, what are our goals here? What are we trying to accomplish in our business? Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I we we run our business by generosity goals, so we measure the success of our business um not by what we make but by what we give away. Mm-hmm. And so we set a new number of giving every single year. Mm. And it's radically changed our business. So it's because we're playing a different game. Mm-hmm. And so we're waking up every day thinking about what we can give to the world, yeah. not what we can get from it. And when you're in that space, you lose agenda. And so it's there isn't, and people can feel agenda. People yeah, can, can feel when there's something up their sleeve, or there's, and we just don't have that. We're like, hey, we're here to we're here to have value to to your world, to your life. And yes, we happen to make a good living, but there's something powerful about contentment, not complacency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Contentment, this idea of going, wait, you mean there's an enough button? There is a successful enough, there's mm-hmm. an enough, there's, there's an enough subscribers, there's an enough amount of money, there's an enough amount of customers. It's like, yeah, it doesn't mean we're not trying to get more, but it's like at some point there is a, a resolve that you get of just going, we can try some things. We can, we've got wiggle room, we're okay. And our identity is not on the line today. Yeah, it's good. One of the things that I like that you talk about is risk taking. Mm-hmm. And making it, you know, more approachable. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like there's no. Ver- I've, I think you've said like there's no version of our lives that isn't risky. Yeah. So unpack that for us. Yeah, I mean, there are some people that think they're playing it safe, but when you play it safe, it's risky because um, when you play it safe, you risk irrelevance. If you do nothing new, well, then you could become a relic. Uh, companies are finding this out the hard way. We're just gonna stick to our guns. We're not gonna change. That's okay. You do know the whole world is changing, right? Every single day. We're, AI is just too dangerous. It, it is dangerous, but if you don't learn it, you will be left behind. You could lose your job to it if you aren't the person that is leveraging it. And so there are so many mindsets that I think people can kind of get trapped in around taking risks, but it's like, dude, it's all, it's all risky. Yeah. There is, there is, I don't think there's a version of our life that, that isn't risky. I think sometimes we get so stuck in our own way. And I think the biggest hurdle that entrepreneurs have is not the economy. It's not the market. It's not the government. Mm-hmm. It's them. Mm-hmm. It's us. And every time I hit post, I think today's the day that I get canceled. <laughs> I don't know why. You don't know what you can say anymore. Yeah. I don't know all the rules. Today's and I'm like, day. And I'm like, and I speak for lips. So there is this vulnerability of like me just stepping onto a stage and I'm just going, God knows what I'm going to say today. I hope, you know, I've sent the slides ahead of time. I'm just, but you're just going, you know what? Like, dude, you just got to live. Like there's, there's just going to be some things that you just try and you try to be smart and wise about that calculated risk. I don't, I don't encourage a laissez-faire, just lackadaisical type of life where you just kind of, you know, shoot from the hip, but- I do think that there is, there's something powerful about being willing to say, hey, you know, we're, we're gonna try some things. Did I, I tell my son this all the time. And my son missed a game winner the other day. Team was down two and he took a three-pointer. He has never taken a three-pointer in a game up until this point. And now's the time. And, and, and for game on the line, he takes a three-pointer and he missed. And I rushed the court as if he hit a game seven NBA finals game winner. And he's crying and the parents are like, dude, your, your, your kid just lost. Mm-hmm. I said, no, he didn't. My son is willing to take a shot. Your son is not. Yeah. I'm here for it. Like keep taking the shot because if you don't take the shot, you can never make the yeah. shot. And so... I, I think that there is something powerful about a person that's willing to wake up, an entrepreneur that's willing to wake up and say, hey, I'm gonna roll the dice. Sometimes it's on a product, sometimes it's on a person. You know, we all have superpowers. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that has been really clear to me is one of your superpowers is reframing what happens and what mm-hmm. happens to you, what happens around you. Yeah. But I think another thing that I don't know if it's a superpower, if it's something that you've developed, is this idea of paying attention. Mm. So think about just for a second what you just said is that you just described an impulse reaction mm-hmm. to a missed shot, Yeah. right? Yeah. And your son's <laughs> emotional about it. Oh, but sure. you had an impulse thing. And, and I think that 
you have this idea that I do think it's worth observing, learning about and figuring out how some of us can maybe pay closer attention because you were paying attention because you had you have a knowledge that pain of a missed shot, embarrassment, there's challenges in that, there's hardships in that, but there's lessons yes. in that. And so I think that's one of the things that you might've been excited about is yeah. he's gonna learn so much from this. Oh, yeah. And you had an impulse move to go celebrate yes. the learning that he's about to encounter. Yes. And the fact that he took the shot. 100%, you know, I, I think I admire guts. And when you see it, there's just this like, yes, mm. that's, you were willing to do the thing most people weren't willing to do. And I think the businesses that stand out, the leaders that stand out are the ones that are willing to do the things that most businesses aren't willing to do, mm -hmm. that most leaders aren't willing to do. And so I think the more you're in that position to be an outlier, to say, hey, well, what's, not that you always wanna go against the grain, but as you said, paying attention and looking for the little nuances in a market, little nuances in a team that says, hey, this is what is going to help us stand out. I think that's important uh, for anybody's journey as an entrepreneur in starting a business. The entrepreneur world is lonely. It is a very, very lonely journey. And I think you have to do everything in your power mentally to make that journey fun because nobody's coming to make it fun for you. It's true. It's not happening. So you've got to have a mindset that says, hey, my journey is going to be whatever I want it to be. Like I have to get there because if you don't, nobody's coming to save you. Mm -hmm. That's the entrepreneur's journey. If things go south here. Well, there's a few people that can move some things around to make people's lives better. Entrepreneurs don't have that. It's like, no, you're, you're it. Mm -hmm. Tag, you're the person. So you've, you've got to be so mentally tough. I can't tell you how many people, friends that I have that quit their jobs and jumped into the entrepreneur space. And I say, you sure you're ready for this? And couldn't last, but maybe two or three months before they had to go back to, you know, their regular nine to five, which there's no shame in that, but it's like that entrepreneur gene, it's tough, man. Mm -hmm. it, it is a, it's a mental beating. But if, if you can, can have the mental fortitude to charter through those waters, I, I think that, you know, you've, you've got an opportunity to have a really fun journey. I love that. You talked about, you know, it being a lonely path. And I think something that's awesome is, you know, in my own journey, the more people that wanted to be on the journey with me and I mm. wanted to be on their journey with them, mm. somehow uh, there was an, um, you know, my life got richer. You mm. know what I mean? And I think entrepreneurs have this idea of, I got to do it myself, mm. or the idea has got to come from me then there's the flip side is I don't want to let all these people down. Mm. And these are weights, right? That uh, kind of show up in the, in the entrepreneur sort of loneliness mm. aspect mm. and that nobody's you know, kind of coming to save you, I think is a big deal. But if you think about it along the way, there are these, uh, have, you, have you ever read the book, The Alchemist? Mm -mm. Okay, so it's 
I was like, I, I, the lightning striking twice and it will is likely to strike again with you. I was like, this is totally, he uh -huh. reminds me of the boy in The Alchemist. Uh -huh. And it's about this boy going on a journey in his life to accomplish his personal legend. And he gets this advice from Melchizedek, the king of Salem. It's like an allegory, right? The same, same thing as like an Abraham, right? Interesting. And uh, he goes on this journey and all of these steps along the way, he went by himself and you see at the end of it, all of these people that end up being with him along the way that were a part of his journey. Wow. And he followed, there's this whole idea in the book of following the omens. And all of these different sort of like sparks that happen in somebody's life and you gotta pay attention to it. There's usually somebody around that you pick up along the way too. So one of the things that I think is really a question that I'm trying to ask you is how do you know hmm. when it's like, you see something like a, a burning bush and I'm gonna turn aside and I'm gonna go look. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do, that, do that. So how do you know mm. with everything that's around you or being lonely, how do you know kind of like, this is, this is something I'm gonna try? How do you follow the omens? How do you follow the spark? How does lightning strike twice for you? I don't think you do. I don't think you know. Mm. I think that is the journey of entrepreneurship. It's the not knowing. It's living in the I don't know. Mm. And so for, for me, the way that I look at our entire year, I think, okay, 120 events. I think about content. I think about course creation. Mm -hmm. I think about back of the room. We think about scaling. We think about who do we add to our team? Who's adding value? All of it is a little bit of Russian roulette for me. Mm -hmm. All of it, I'm going, I don't know what's going to work. The world is consistently changing, which if you want to be effective, means that there should be something in you that is consistently making tweaks, mm -hmm. consistently changing. Most people don't like change. Well, if you don't like change, you're in a world that's constantly doing that. And so there's always gonna be frustration. So you're gonna have to make change your friend on some level or another. But the other challenging piece, just with where technology is, is social media platforms continue to change. Mm -hmm. And so with so much of our businesses being, having a massive digital component, do that changes every week. Mm -hmm. And so there are things we've done that I thought, this sucks, this isn't gonna work. And it'll go viral. You're like, what? I don't know, I don't even, I don't even really like that video. <laughs> <laughs> Does it make any sense? People love it. You're like, what? Like th this is the, hey, we want to bring him in to speak on this subject. I got like 10 I, more that are better. I have, <laughs> I cannot tell you how often that happens. Like you've heard my, you've heard my oh, Tina. Yeah. You, you'd be surprised how many people go, well, can you just talk about this other thing? You'd be like, I literally had a client the other day make up the title of my keynote. They go, yeah, I, we just want you to just talk about that. I want, but I have other, I have books, best-selling books <laughs> that we can talk. No, we just want you to talk about this. You're like, okay. okay. And you'd be surprised how some of those messages have had the greatest impact. Wow. American Association of Pediatrics. They say, hey, we want to book Ryan to speak. Great, sign the contract. Oh, can't wait to be there. Looking forward to it. Hey, uh, which of my keynotes would you like me to give? The uh, actually, could you talk about reclaiming joy? I was like, 
what? He said, yeah, we just, we feel like pediatrics over the last few years has, has lost its joy. Can you help us get it back? I thought, well, it would be my pleasure to do that, but, I, but, you, but you're going to put me in front of 1,800 people with a talk I've never given, ever. It's like, well, that's, well, hey, we'll see how this goes. Remember, you asked. <laughs> I did it. And so every day, you just don't know. Mm. I think that there is something about hitting a moving target. Even how I write books, I just start writing. And one time I was writing a book, I think it was called Who's My Neighbor? It was this idea of like, hey, how can we take care of our neighbors? And chapter four was called Unoffendable. And it was about like, man, if we're gonna really relate to one another, we have to be unoffendable. We have to actually be able to really talk. Well, as I was writing that chapter, I went, I think that's the book. Wow. And so I started over. And so the book's called Unoffendable. And so we move, we pivot it. And so it's like, how do I know? I don't. But you, you can't figure it out mm -hmm. until you get started. Like you have to just start moving in that direction. So so like even right now, I'm in a season where people are like, hey, what's your next book about? I don't know. But I just opened a document and I just started writing about some things that I'm passionate about. I don't know if the book is going to be what I think the book is going to be until the book is done. And so much of my new book idea is predicated on research. And so the research could tell me that there's a really good book here. And the research could tell me, man, not much of a book. But, but I won't know. Talking to publishers, they don't know what's going to be a success or not. Uh, James Clear, number one author in the world. Tom Cabot, he sells a book every 15 seconds. When he wrote the book, he did not think that that book would sell a book every 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, this is a good idea. Now I've done my research, but you just don't know until until you do it. And so, so that's amazing. You're saying it's in the moving forward. You got to. Yeah. You just, you just have to just keep doing it. I wish I could say every event I've ever done, I just slate it. Mm -hmm. It's just not true. Mm -hmm. It's just, in fact, it's far from the truth. I rarely walk off a stage and go, I crushed that. Rarely. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't say that. Oh, yeah, that was a bad joke or that was, I mean, there is, there is so much there that you're like, oh, I forgot to say this. And you, but before I can wallow in what went wrong, my name is introduced at the next event. Mm -hmm. Give it up for Ryan Leak. And I, I, don't, I don't have a choice but to move on. What I'm gonna do is stand in the back and go, but last week it was like, you know, yeah. <laughs> time keeps moving. So I just encourage people to keep moving. Like you, you're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna hire the wrong person. You're gonna fire the wrong person. Sometimes you're the wrong person. Mm -hmm. Keep it moving. It's the, only, it's, the, it's the only direction we really have. If you try to go backwards, who wants to do that? So I think it's in the moving. I think I'm, I'm a big proponent of hitting a moving target. You, you, you have, you can't get good unless you get started. And I think sometimes there's this, but it's gotta be perfect. Well, then guess what? You're never gonna do anything. Mm -hmm. Cause it's never gonna be perfect. Nothing is. So I think it's important that 
you find your way as you're moving. Mm -hmm. Well, you're listening to something. Cause I mean, think about how you're writing Unoffendable, right? And you're like writing this whole other book. And then you're like, wait a second, the books and that. That right there is the thing that I'm talking about that you were like, I got chapter four, I got yeah. some distance. Oh yeah. And then I got to redirect and you're listening to something. And that requires, I'd say some personal development, right? Of oh, absolutely. Kind of like, okay, I can restart this. This is where the spark is, yeah. right? And being able to listen to that, I think that is the thing that I think is an important characteristic of someone that's likely to be successful. Sure. Is recognizing the spark and following it. Absolutely. Even if it's a redirect. 100%. Well, how do you know your why? You know what I mean? Like what advice would you give to somebody that's like, you know, you gotta be centered, right? In something, mm -hmm. uh, you gotta have some, something kind of motivating you. How do you kind of, what would you, what do you tell entrepreneurs or, or people around you? Like, hey, here's why you know your why and here's how you discover it. I think the best products, businesses in the world solve the biggest problems. Sometimes we let our dreams and things that we just want to do kind of get in the way of going, are we here to serve other people or are we here to serve us? And again, I can't give everyone else their why. I think for me, you talk about superpowers. In my executive coaching practice, I think one of my superpowers is I can get any client to tell me the truth about what's really going on in their business and in their life. And so I am a man that holds a lot of people's secrets. And I know exactly how many people are hurting at a level that they would never share with their publicly held company. Mm -hmm. And so for me, my why, the thing that's getting me out of bed in the morning is the fact that I think the world needs faith. Mm -hmm. 100%. Now, probably number one question I get is, I mean, how do you navigate your faith in business and religion and so on and so forth? And and you've you've heard my keynote. I mean, like I'm 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 there to deliver a service and and try to add value in in what I can bring. But as a man of faith, it's interesting. I at the end of every keynote, I put up a QR code. It says, "Hey, if you want to get an encouraging text from me every single week, text." the name of your company to, to this number. There's 10,000 people in that, that get a text from me every single week. This past Monday, I sent out a text. I said, hey, my team and I are taking some time to pray for you this week. If you have anything going on in your life that we could pray for, hey, just shoot me a text. We now have, I think, 3,000 prayer requests from corporate America. So this idea that leave your faith out of here if you had my phone this week, you would go, yeah, the world needs faith. Mm -hmm. the, the amount of things happening in this world is, is staggering. It's heartbreaking. And the amount of things that people have to deal with on a Monday morning, personally, that they have to overcome to show up for a Tuesday meeting would absolutely blow the average person's mind. Mm -hmm. And when I look at that, I think, yeah, I was born for this. Mm. I was born to help people here. And if my skill set puts me in a position to have simple credibility with people, that they would go, I don't even know that I have a faith, but it would be great if I had somebody in my corner that had something for me. Yeah. 
I think like, hi, my name is Ryan Lee. I'll be that, yeah. So my why, like did that, that just, that just jazzes me up. Like that, I think when I am invited to speak anywhere, I consider it the highest privilege. I tell my wife every morning, I say, I pinch myself, I can't believe I get to do this. It's crazy. I cannot believe I get to do this. I take it very, very seriously. And I think I want to be so stinking good that somebody in that audience would go, I want to hear from him more. Mm-hmm. And that on their darkest day, I just so happen to send a text. Mm-hmm. I mean, they hear from me every week. I mean, be, anybody, I'm, I'm very easy to get a hold of, mm-hmm. which isn't always the best thing. But man, I just, man, my whole flight here, I was just responding to a bunch of prayer requests. That's amazing. And it's like, this is what you do for work? I'm like, today, yeah. Because I'm in the business of helping people. I can help you close the deal. I also can help you stay married. Mm-hmm. Not many people signing up for that. Mm-hmm. So for me, I just, I think that why is so strong every single morning that it's like, by the time I'm reading what a single mom is dealing with on a Monday, I'm just like, who cares if I fail? Mm-hmm. Who cares if this gets traction? Who, ca- who cares? Like, dude, you're fine. Like, you get a dose of somebody else's reality, you're like, I don't even know, I live in the real world sometimes mm-hmm. when you find out what other people are are going through. So I think for me, that that's my why. I think everybody needs to have something. They need to have a, a storyline in their life, something that grounds them, something that reminds them of why they do yeah. what they do. Uh, but I think the best businesses in the world uh, understand that they're delivering a product that has value to other people. And if you're not, it's just like, I don't know how long you're gonna be in business. One of the things that, I'm hearing is a theme is, you know, if, if you're grounded in a why, right. Mm-hmm. And you're in a, a, the process of being open to, to new discovery and chasing what you discover. Mm. I think there's a discipline uh, that comes along with that. Right. And one of my favorite books on discipline is the road less traveled by mm. Scott Peck. And he, yeah. he's like, you know, there's four things for discipline. You know, you got delayed gratification, acceptance of responsibility, dedication to the truth and balancing. And that can we just pause for a second? Yeah, I'm a, I'm amazed that you remembered all of that. Oh, like you remembered all four. Like it you changed just, my you life. You just rattled it all off. It's amazing because it most people fumble through it. They're like it's like four things, it's but the things. one thing that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm, but that was that mm-hmm. was impressive. I just wanted to give you a little shout out. So I mean, I will tell you, I have those four things written on a sticky note on my mirror. Mm. So mm. that was a transformational book for me because you know, discipline was just sort of like the rigor of, uh, you know, life or the, the rigor of mm. commitment. It didn't mean those things. And I think you've got a great point of view mm. on self-discipline as well. So, I mean, like that's Scott Peck's things. What are your things for self-discipline? <laughs> Man. I just put a tall building. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every, uh, as you said earlier, you know, I think our definitions of success can kind of change each year. No, every every year of my wife and I's marriage, we've been married 10 years this past June. Congratulations. Thank you. Man, not one year has looked the same. Mm. They've all been completely different. And I think each year needed a different discipline. And so last year, man, I was going at a pace that I was, I was redlining. Mm. And I was... 
I tested my limits and I found them. <laughs> okay. I, I found them. Uh, last December, I couldn't walk. And I was like, what's going on? This is weird. Like I, I had crazy back trouble and I, and I hadn't worked in two weeks. I was courtside at a basketball game, bucket list, living the dream, get to the airport. Can't walk with my son. It's crazy. So I, I had to, I had to, honestly, I had to change my life. I had to change a whole, my whole lifestyle. Workout regimen, eating, what I eat on the road, what I eat at home. I lost about 35 pounds, uh, changed my diet. And it's amazing what happens when you get disciplined in one area, how it dominoes into some other areas as well. So you just so happen to be catching me in a crazier season of discipline than I would say is normal. Mm. But I try to get at least one mile in a day of walking. Just close these rings on, on, on the Apple Watch and have gotten pretty, pretty disciplined. I think I've missed five days throughout the whole year. And that was American Airlines fault. <laughs> And I even want to say, I may have walked a mile in the airport, but uh, on one of those flights, I think I was actually on the actual plane for nine hours. And I was just like, I'm going to sleep, whatever. So I'm not like anal about it in that sense, but, but I, I think exercise that you use the phrase self-discipline. I, I probably would use the phrase now self-care mm. and just making sure. One of my friends says it this way, so simple. He said, what is required for your five-year goals is for you to be here. And I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, if you, if you can't be here, how can those things be accomplished? Uh, Jay Leno said in an interview, he was talking about comedians. He said, I learned that if you could just make it to the stage seven years in a row, you can be successful. And he said, most comedians that aren't in the business anymore it wasn't that they stopped being funny. It's that they had some things in their personal life that kept them from getting to the stage. And so for me, when I think about just making it to the event, <laughs> just getting, just making it to the stage, man, you, you gotta be in a decent shape and you've gotta be mindful of what you're putting in your body, what you're putting in your mind, if you are going to not just be elite, but remain elite. And these are things that you just have to, you gotta be disciplined in. Mm. So in this particular season, it's that. In a book writing season, um, especially when it's like, uh, I had a publishing deal, so the book was set, like it's this. It's not, there is no turning yeah, yeah. point, you know. It's a different discipline. So the, the discipline's all around writing and time management. Being in a, a funner book season, there's no deadlines. I, I don't have the, the need for some crazy discipline on time management, although my time management is, is, is uh, my calendar is a little bit more stringent given what I do for a living. Yeah. It's just natural, That's gonna, it, it has to be disciplined. Like 
the flight's leaving today. Yes, yeah, I don't have a choice. To kind of match. Yeah, it's you. like I, I don't have a choice. Like it's like yeah. like if you're late, you don't go home. Like it's like no, I'm gonna be on time. So I don't have to be disciplined with time. That kind of is already inherent. But what I'm gonna eat for lunch, it's a big decision. Mm. Those are the little things that I think lead to other things. Yeah, so that's a foundation for you. The self care is the the way you can do the other things. I I love the. You have 100%. to be here. Your five-year goals, you actually have to be here. I love that You one. have to be here. I just did, I think I spoke 13 times in 15 days. Mm. I had a, I went and got a medical IV three times. I got two massages. I think I did something else. Uh, eating healthy, but it, it was, none of it was because I was in trouble. Yeah. That's maintenance. Yeah, you're like, I'm in maintenance and staying ahead. One of the stories that I didn't tell in the keynote that's kind of fun is, you know, I do this whole chasing failure thing. I got this documentary at the NBA and a friend of mine was the VP of player development for the Houston Rockets and COVID happens, NBA shuts down. They go to this bubble in Florida. I get a call from my buddy and he says, hey, can you do chapel for the guys? And I was like, yeah, man, sure. I'm just sitting at the house. I'm not doing nothing. Yeah, I'm, I'd be happy to do chapel for the guys. He goes, yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened to the other guy, but if you could just do it this, this one time, man, it'd be great. I go, yeah, sure. So I get on Zoom and two guys sit down. Never seen them before in my life. Hey, my name's Ryan. Great to meet you guys. It's great. All right, so I, man, my buddy just goes, go. No, no intro. You're not going to tell them anything about you. Just, okay, hey, uh, my name's Ryan. Uh, it's great to meet you. Uh, uh, Hello from the other side. You know, it's like, I don't know what to say. You know, it's just like, you're just trying to like, you know, clear the air, no jokes, no laugh. And they're like, we're getting ready to play LeBron James. We're on time for, I'm just like, okay, I'm just, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm just, hey guys, you know? And then I'm in the middle of, of talking, probably like two minutes in and, and my buddy goes, whoop, 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 stop, 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 stop. I was like, oh God, did I say something wrong? Like, what did I do? He was like, oh, James is coming. And I was like, James who? So all of a sudden, James Harden and Russell Westbrook come <laughs> and they sit right in front of the camera. And then he goes, okay, go! And I'm like, okay, do I start my intro over? Yeah, am I, am do I redoing I, this? Like our or? numbers just doubled. Like, so I don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I just like fumble through this thing and I'm like, okay, sure. Like, uh, yeah, so I, I go through it and I said, hey, man, thanks, thanks for having me. He goes, yeah, we'll see you next game. See you next game. I said, bro, you asked me to do this one time. What do you mean, see you next game? It's like, no, you're committed. He's man. like, dude, yeah, right? <laughs> like, you just signed me up for this thing. And he's like, no, nah, man, like, dude, the guys, they love that. You're different. I'm like, well, I don't, I, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing. Uh, they said, see you next game for, uh, I think, another 80 games. He just kept saying, see you next game. I'm going to go, I'm, am, am I your chaplain? I don't. I don't, I don't know what to do. And then uh, James Harden took me to Brooklyn with him and he started inviting other guys. And then uh, one of my friends was connected with the Nets and they were like, these guys keep disappearing before the game. And they're going into this janitor's closet and they're talking to some dude on, on Zoom, on Zoom <laughs> FaceTime. I'm like, yeah, I wish I could tell you I know what I'm doing. I have no idea but they just keep going into these random closets and whatever, and they just call me before every game. And then, then I'm, so I'm with the Nets now. I'm also with Phyllis. So you talk about lightning striking yeah, a few times. It's just, but I, I wish I could say I got this. 
I don't. I, I really don't. But talking to NBA professionals, especially during the season, basically every day. Yeah. Because they play all the time. At one point, I realized, man, we have the same schedule. Because their question to me is always, where are you at now? I'm like, where are you at now? They're like, you know where we are. <laughs> We're in Hawaii. We're in Portland. We're in Los Angeles. And I had to start taking myself more seriously. And that was uh, probably in December when the back stuff started happening. I went, I'm a corporate athlete. And I got to start treating my body mm. like an elite athlete and I really started treating this like a sport and so uh, I have a manual therapist you're like what's that um, any professional athlete knows what a manual therapist is just a guy that works on your body anything tweak it like so I see him every couple weeks it's like to do what I do I have to realize that there is a stress on my body that has to be taken care of mm -hmm. and so it's the cost of me doing business if I want to continue to be elite, I have to have an elite mindset around, okay, what do elite athletes do with their body? They work out every day. <laughs> they work way more than I do. But I've had to get to a place of going, what's elite in my space to be able to say, hey, if I'm going to continue to make an impact on a stage, I have to continue to be able to get up there. I love that. And, and you're in the NBA, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the last line of my keynote is there's more than one way to be in the NBA, but... Um, See, that's yeah, the thing. So, I, I was like, I think he said that at the keynote. And this is different information. <laughs> you know? I know. It's like, our time is up, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's the 60 minutes. You know, if you want the more, you know, we, we could go do a podcast. We go but, do the podcast. Okay. But man, it's, it is... Well it is played, been, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's been an incredible journey. Um, just navigating all sorts of different relationships. My business is so hard because I'm consistently jumping into different industries that have a completely different lingo than the last one. So it's like, I got to speak NBA one day. Well, then a couple of NFL teams reached out. I was like, I don't know that I can go build all that whole world. It's a completely different world. But a good friend of mine convinced me to just you know, go work with one of the teams. Poor me, right? Give it a shot. But, Talk to the football players. <laughs> but then I went and did it and I just, man, my business is adding value to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you these know, are people too. Like they're just, they're just, they're just people. Man, and, and man, they all got it really difficult. Mm -hmm. People, people will never see that. People will be shocked at just how hard it is what they do. And I think that sometimes they need someone in their corner that, doesn't need anything from them. Yeah, yeah. And that, that is, in their space, incredibly difficult to find. And so so I've enjoyed uh, lightning continue to strike a mm -hmm. little bit and, and, and I've had the wonderful privilege of just developing genuine relationships, professional sports, Fortune 100 companies. And at the end of the day, regardless of what your product is, how you treat people, is the determining factor of if you're gonna do business with anybody. Mm -hmm. And I just, I can't emphasize that enough of just being able to look somebody in the eye, hey, how you doing? Being able to see everybody. I mean, like that, that those little things, I think go a very, very long way. But yeah, I think, I think that that's, a, I think that that, that's important. So a, a lot of, a lot of my 
inspiration to your original question for a lot of this self-discipline stuff has been being exposed to seeing how elite athletes live, breathe. I went to the Utah Jazz training camp last year, went to their facility, and I just, it's remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable. And literally there are 20 people, 20, 20 people standing there waiting for players to come. A chef, a manual therapist, <laughs> a massage therapist, a doctor. I mean, it's like they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that the best athletes in the world can compete at a high level. Well, and they know, they've got to know what they need because they've got to be able to call on the resource. It is, yeah, it just, it's remarkable. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, you, so when you think about, okay, I'm not an NBA player and I'm not an NBA team, but it's like, yeah, but you are an entrepreneur. So what are you going to do for yourself? And what are you going to do for your team to be at an optimal level? And with my team, I'm, like, I'm going to do everything in my power mm -hmm. to put you in a position to be your best. I can't make you do anything, but I will leverage every resource I have for you to be the healthiest person possible in every aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. Because everyone on my team knows Ryan's trying to be elite every day. Good luck catching me. <laughs> like I wake, I wake up. I'm like it's 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 go time. It's game time. Oh, yeah. you didn't get enough sleep. Okay. And do you think <laughs> that the people that brought me in care how much sleep I got the night before? No, they don't. No, they 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 expect you to add value and care at a very high level for their people. So it, it it's game time. Like, let's go. I mean, that that's another theme that you've got going on is this theme of resilience. Cause I mean, you, you, you know, you're going to experience failure, but you're also going to experience hardship. You're also going to experience headwinds. And there's this idea oh, yeah. of, uh, uh, you know, you know, this, this resilient mindset that you've got, but something else I've heard you, you know, talk about a little bit as well is in that resilience, there's this kind of ability to be, to remain coachable and teachable. Oh yeah. So. Why, why would you consider that really such a key, you know, to embracing failure and or encountering success? Well, I think that's important because you just don't know what you don't know. And I wake up every single day <laughs> and I say this to my wife all the time, I'm like, babe, I don't think we live in the real world. I don't, I don't think, because I'm consistently learning humans. I'm consistently learning how people think and the internet is fascinating. You see people do some of the dumbest things in the world that they completely think is just logical. This is how we live. I'm like, oh, people do that? I didn't know people did that. It's like, I just, I, I'm consistently being a student of, of humanity. I, I don't make many assumptions about people. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a, Oh, let me put on humility. It's like, no, I, I have consistently realized I am wrong about people and humanity and how people treat one another. And it, it's, it's a journey. And I think that there, there has to remain a high level of coachability of saying, man, there, there's, there could be a more efficient way of 
of doing this. And so some people, um, even like other speakers that I talk to, they go, man, how do you always memorize your talks? I don't. Like, well, well, then how did you just deliver that hour? I went, it's called a confidence monitor. Like they literally put all of my slides like right in front of me. You thought I was just doing that off the dome? He goes, well, it looked like it. I go, dude, the slides are on the screen. Like you can <laughs> see it. I'm like, go to the next one. Okay, now that's what we're going to talk about next. It's like, but they will spend, I have speaker friends that will spend 20 to 25 hours memorizing their talk. I'm like, good, good for you. I need that 20, 25 hours. <laughs> like, yeah. I'd, and you don't know the difference. Yeah. It's like, no, I, I, I have slides. If someone asks, do you have a confidence monitor up there? Yeah, you can't see these massive 80-inch LED TVs at the front of the room. And you don't see these huge, you know, LED walls behind me. It's like, yeah, where do you think that's coming from? It's like, yeah. So, I mean, obviously stories and all of that. Like, obviously, I've practiced communication at a high level. But I think just coachability. If there was something else that could help me communicate better, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I want to be, be open to that? I heard a speaker the other day that utilized um, like a, a live survey, you scan a QR code and you can get raw data of people in the room. And I thought, I want to try that someday and, and just see. And just, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's a, so you're like, which direction are we going to go based on the data? Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a, you can say, hey, you know, uh, how many of you, you know, your kids started school this week? Boom, it pops up, you know. Uh, how many of you have had a panic attack? Boom, you know, and it pops up on the screen. So you can, everyone can see whatever anyone puts in. So yeah, you're see, kinda, I'm not alone. But if you're not coachable, if you're this, I got this. You're not even open to trying new things that could add so much value to what you're trying to to accomplish. So I, I think coachability is 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 massive. You know, we have an executive coaching practice, mm-hmm. and so if I don't have a coach, it's like you're not actually practicing what you preach all the time. So, uh, so I think it's important that you have somebody in your corner that's allowing you to tinker and. And, and tweak a little bit and you just don't know what you don't know. This is how we do payroll. This is how we've done payroll for 20 years. Well, you know, there's a lot easier ways to do payroll now. You know, technology's increased <laughs> just a bit in the last 20 years. But you'd be surprised. I mean, people are just so stuck in their ways. But but I think coachability is, is massive. You know, obviously chasing failure is a, is a core message for you but you seem to be somebody that has seemed to find success along the way as well. Yeah. And so what, what do you think people that have experienced a level of success, what do you think that they face and or have you faced that is maybe different than those first rounds of success? I think the more successful you get, the more complacent you can get. Mm. You can get to a place where you're, you don't have the same drive you had when you were hungry. You don't have the same drive that you had had when, you know, your rent was dependent on you hustling. You know, you you can lose a little bit of your claws the more success 
that you get. Mm. So I think going back to your why, it needs to be pretty strong. If you're going to continue to do what you do at a, at a high level. I think the other thing that comes with success that I don't know that there's one university that prepares you for the loneliness of success. Mm. I don't know if there's one university that prepares you for how your relationships change the more success you have. Because you then begin to see how people will try to manipulate you. And I just spoke at an event called Global Leadership Summit. Global stage, leaders from all around the world and success in some people's eyes. Never heard of it in the next conversation. (laughs) But for a lot of my friends, Global Leadership Summit is the biggest stage you can be on in the world. And I just can't tell you how many people I went to middle school with. Hey, man, I always knew you'd be successful, man. This is crazy. It's like, yeah, you did that, man. It's, just, it's, it's th- thanks, thanks for reaching out. And it's, it's, you know, selfie videos. Hey, this is my buddy, Ryan. But buddy, Ryan, we haven't talked in five years. You don't even know my wife's name, you know? It's like, and so n- navigating relationships, with success is, is something that I wasn't prepared for. And no nobody, um, I've, I've not come across a book that helps you navigate that. A lot of books will tell you how to get success. Uh, not a lot of books that'll teach you how to navigate it, mm. handle it, steward it well. And, and how do you not get bitter? with some of those relationships and really keep your character intact of saying, man, I'm going to continue being Ryan. And some people may magically want to be my friend all of a sudden. Um, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let people be people. And doesn't mean we're going to hang out. <laughs> so like I'm already a little bit busy. So hey, just let people kind of do what they do and keeping your mind right, keeping your heart right. And um, but I would say the loneliness is is a big deal. And then just even navigating just your current relationships of just, mm-hmm. man, that, that is, and staying grounded. Mm-hmm. That's hard to, because in entrepreneur space, it is very much like, a, hey, what you need to do today is, all right, you need to take the, the revenue that you got from this business and then you're going to go flip this house, okay? Then you're going to grab this house and then you're going to buy this building downtown Oklahoma. Then you're going to flip that to go get this other building in Dallas. And then like there is this constant movement of, okay, you know, then we're going to drop ship it to Amazon and then we're going to, you know, like you're going to just do this thing. Like that is the entrepreneur language. But, but then you got to realize like your, your friends make $20 an hour mm-hmm. and you can't lose touch you, you can't sail off into the sunset so much that like that you forget to be normal the greatest advice i've ever been given in my entire life was from a guy named rick warren rick warren is worth about a quarter of a billion dollars he wrote a book called purpose driven life he gives away 91 percent of his income it's crazy he has sat with multiple presidents He is truly a global leader. He has met every celebrity you can think of. He could post about all of the stuff he never does. He's never flown private. He wears Chuck Taylors every single day. I got to sit with Rick Warren for three hours. 
and I asked him for advice. And this is what he said. He said, Ryan, I'm, I'm not worried about your career. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. He goes, a, a guy with your skill set, he goes, there, there will always be space somewhere for you. You'll be fine. He said, but my fear for you, my concern for you is that, he said, well, right. He said, I don't know how to tell you this, but your life isn't good for you. I was like, well, what do you mean? He said, all the upgrades, I have status everywhere. I have the highest status with every thing you can think of. I get special treatment almost every place I go. Upgraded first class, I get to get on a plane first, people bring me food, I get put in presidential suites at hotels. I mean, it's, it's I, red carpet is normal for me. He said, yeah, that's not good for you. He said, you weren't made to be worshiped. He said, so my biggest advice for you is whenever you get home, do something normal because your family cannot compete with standing ovations ever. He said, what do you expect them to do? Have a sign waiting for you every single time you get home. He goes, it's never gonna happen. He says, so when you get home, mow your own lawn, mop your own floor, change diapers, do something that makes you normal. We have turf in our backyard, so I can't mow my own lawn, but my wife laughs at me when I get home because I pull out a mop. And she goes, was it that good today? I go, it was pretty awesome, but I'm home. <laughs> and and I and honestly it is it is the best advice I've ever gotten because it's it's like that's how you handle success. You you come back down to earth and it's who in the world do you think you are? Dude, it's like you're somebody in somebody's eyes one day, you're to my kids, I'm just home. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so, hey, be home. And guess what? We had duties around this house. So I'm off the floor. I'm gonna need you to go over here. It's just like you just you get back in, in in dad mode, and then you get on the ground and play dinosaur. I love it. I think uh, I think there's a a real thing that you've got going on that I think is important is this this sense of gratitude. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be grounded. Absolutely love the quote: "Your family can't compete with standing ovations." Love it. I'll never forget it. I honestly, it just, it rang in my ears mm. and it just, it just hit me like a ton of bricks because I was feeling that and I didn't know it. Mm. I would get home and be like, why don't you appreciate me? They're like, appreciate you? What do you want us to do? And I'm like, well, fog would be nice. <laughs> Some <laughs> LED lights maybe? So come Can we get some lasers going in this house? My goodness gracious. Like, is anybody grateful in this house for what I've done for you? It's like, oh, like I didn't even know mm. I was doing it. That's, that's the crazy thing. And so the, the mop helps me. Love that. Yeah. Well, I'm super grateful that you, you know, sat down and had the conversation. Of course. We do have one last step though. Let's do it. It is called Rapid Fire. Oh, this is my favorite part of podcasts. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, Ryan, if you could describe your morning routine in just three words, what would they be? Stretching. Lots of stretching. There we go. Lots. Lots of, of stretching. stretching. Lots All of right. stretching. All right. Well, yes. what is one skill or hobby that you've wanted to learn but you haven't yet? Dude, I wish I could be a great chef. 
I like in another life, I would love to like go to culinary school and just like that be like, I wish my cooking game was strong. Right now, my DoorDash game is on point, but I wish I could cook at a high level. Mm. Okay, well, mm-hmm. uh, what's your favorite way to unwind after a busy day of motivating other people? After mopping? <laughs> Playing basketball with my son. Well, if you had one sentence to describe your core message, what would it be? Make your life count. You only get one shot. It's good. Yeah. Well, if you had a chance to challenge any athlete to a friendly game, who would it be in what sport? You know, I'd love to play Steph Curry in golf. How about that? It'd okay. There you go. I would lose, but yeah. It'd be fun. Yeah. All right. You know, uh, Jordan or LeBron? Jordan. Got it. <laughs> What's one more thing <laughs> you would do if you knew you couldn't fail? Make a movie. Love it. Yeah, I love to make a movie. All right. My last question in conclusion. Yes. You're at the end of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the thing you would hope most you were remembered for? I hope that I am remembered as a voice of hope faith and love you know as a person of faith it's like man it'd be great if people went to church sure but for what i do i'm like i hope i get to come to you i hope that there's some event that isn't church and you get me Mm. i I hope it's me and i hope it's your darkest day because it won't be by the time i'm done that's how i feel and i i feel like the end of my life i hope that i have put a smile on some people's face and that they feel like life is worth living, that they can really make it. Mm. And that God has a plan for their life and things are gonna be all right. Things are gonna turn around. And yeah, I hope at the end of end of my life that there would be some people at some event that a lot of times I don't even get to meet, mm. but that they hear one statement, something that sits with them for a lifetime that says, I changed my life. And I'm gonna stop making excuses why I can't do something and you know what uh, I think I'm gonna live a little bit different mm-hmm. so my hope and prayer is that at the end of my life that I've made a difference in the lives of other people it's awesome well you know uh, it's been a privilege to sit and chat with you and you've made a mark on us so I just want to say thank you and yeah. wish you the best man thank you thank you for having me good, good deal man appreciate you man until next time yes thank you for listening to the Entrepreneur Studio Podcast For links to the resources mentioned in today's episode, or for more information on how we can help you run and grow a better business, see the show notes of this episode, or just visit estudio.life. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and find us on Instagram at entrepreneurs.studio and on YouTube at The Entrepreneurs Studio. We'll see you again next time for another inspiring conversation with an entrepreneur who's been in your shoes.